And welcome in. You are listening to the Comenius Institute here at RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, entertaining, weaving, it, just putting it together. Wisdom and knowledge today on the uh, Warping Wolf Radio Show. What's up, Mark? Uh, we're doing great. Looking forward to having Derek Slack on the radio program today. Going to be talking about macro mission. And this is big. And, uh, by the way... <laughs> Was that play on words or what? <laughs> no, that's, that's going to be great. And, uh, and tonight, uh, might as well give a shout-out down there to the Jazz Kitchen because uh, we'll all be down there t- tonight uh, oh, yeah. enjoying some good jazz. Step Walker Project, if you are out and about, tickets are uh, very reasonably priced, only $10 per ticket, and uh, you will get to see Rodney Step and the Step Walker Project. If you do not know Rodney... Uh, was the musical director for the Spinners for about 16 years. Oh, my. And, uh, so his talent level is unbelievable, and the best in old-school R&B and jazz will mm. be taking place tonight. Mm. But today, as you mentioned, we're talking about macro-level, next-generation church. This is a yeah. big, big topic. Um, your take on this? Yeah, I think the issues that uh, surround us here with young people, we've, we've been hitting this on and off, and, and specifically with uh, the Comenius students that we had in a couple of weeks ago, it was really great to get their perspective. Here you have uh, teenagers, 20-somethings, that are engaged in the culture, and they uh, are in real need. What they said from their mouths was they were in real need of older folks, uh, to come alongside them, to walk the road with them, because they've got all kinds of great ideas, but they still need the wisdom and the knowledge. How about exactly, that? but and you you made an important part uh, in that statement when you said walk along with them. Yeah, um, and too many times we're trying to tell them what to do instead That's right. of walking along with them and waiting for uh, them to ask a question or waiting until we see maybe you're going off course. So come on back in. That's right. Uh, this this frame right here. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a great conversation, Derek Slack. If you do not know. Uh, traveling all around the world, uh, yep. spreading his mission of, of hope and trying to maintain uh, some semblance of order um, in this world that we live in. And, That's uh, right. I'm serious, man. Now, you, I guess you had to leave the country to really understand. Well, that was his point. You know, he, he and I were having this great conversation earlier in the week about what we were going to be doing. And one of the things that really struck me was, uh, you know, here's a guy who's been in 28 different countries. He's doing uh, an outreach to, to Ghana, the country of Ghana. Uh, going to be taking his young people with him, uh, and he's teaching and training as he goes, uh, but he's uh, providing the example that's really necessary. And uh, just to kind of go back to the word that we just mentioned a moment ago, uh, the word with. Uh, one of the things that we talk about all the time on this show, in fact, one of the titles of uh, a, a chapter in my book some time back was Withness. Withness, you got to be with people in order to have a witness with them, and that's really powerful and important. So we're going to be talking about how that necessarily plays out in uh, next-gen uh, kinds of conversations. We're going to be talking about how we can get the church reinvested, reinvigorated in world mission, and that will be our topic today. Ooh, we got a tough one on that one, so we're going to come back after we play a few songs, and hopefully Derek will be in by that time, and we will begin the great conversation on Next Generation Church, and uh, how are we going to make this happen in the 21st century? This is Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Group site. Radio TV. we are live. <coughs> Warping Wolf Radio here on the Cool Group site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, and we have been joined by the Reverend Pastor, Dr. 
<laughs> Derek Slack, good friend of mine. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, HB. Well, welcome in, welcome in, and we are glad to have your presence in the studio today. Dr. Mark, this is a great topic. Yeah, it is. And uh, we're not going to waste any more time. I'm going to let you take over this question and answer session. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we'll listen, and then right. I have something to add. Yeah, jump in any time, of course, of course. Pastor, we're grateful that you're here. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, your church community. Uh, just kind of introduce yourself to everybody. Well, thank you, Dr. Marcus. Such a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure being in the house with Mr. Jumbo Live, <laughs> H.B. Bell. Um, and this is home. You know, mm. I had a, a show on FaithCast here uh, a few years ago. Mm. And uh, really thank you for the opportunity. Oh, I don't know man. if I ever personally said thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Lord told me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all, I mean, your, your father told his son, his son, you know, thank you. No, I'm for real. Well, you know, uh, I would work. Um, so, um, well, my name is Derek Slack. Uh, uh, most recently, I've been a uh, youth pastor at Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like to think of myself as a, just a brother in Christ, a child of God, that's just interested in doing uh, what I can to help mm -hmm. humanity. Um, I, uh, my background is I'm a teacher. I taught in New York City, the New York City, <laughs> for almost 11 years mm -hmm. um, before I got really burnt out about the administration, mm -hmm. decided one day to just buy a one-way ticket to Morocco. Mm -hmm. And, which is in Africa, if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For all those of you who do not have a map in front of you right now. <laughs> Morocco is. And the only reason I chose Morocco because you don't need a visa. Mm. And my thought was I would just wanted to explore uh, Africa, mm -hmm. get, get in touch with what God has for me. Because he, for years I'd been gravitated towards there. I've been, I'd been there several times. Mm. Uh, but I was like, I want to see more of this place. So I bought a one-way ticket to Morocco with thoughts to uh, go by land to South Africa and uh, didn't make it to South Africa but I made it to 13 other countries mm. um, and fell in love with Ghana was there mm. you know was only supposed to be there for three days ended up being there for three years mm. uh, accidentally came back home to Indianapolis accidentally accidentally <laughs> my uh, sister was having a baby mm. and she was on bed rest for several months mm -hmm. so it was a really difficult time so on Mother's Day I decided to buy a ticket home. Hmm. It was a round-trip ticket, by the way. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. And um, went to the hospital, surprised my mom. She didn't know I was there. It was Mother's mm -hmm. Day. Uh, so went to church hmm. a week later. And who walks in? This this young lady who had just got back from China and Japan. And I never met another African-American that was interested in traveling abroad. Hmm. Instantly was in awe from how she looked and how she was. Mm -hmm. and, you know, something told me, the voice of God, I, I like to say, mm -hmm. told me that I was going to be my wife. And nice. You know, two years later, that was my wife. Nice. And I forfeited that ticket going back <laughs> to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Wise move on your part, man. And you have some little ones at home. I do. And um, when we got together, my wife and I, uh, when we were in, even dating, we were talking about just doing mission work mm -hmm. uh, overseas. Mm -hmm. and we found an opportunity to do mission work in St. Petersburg, Russia. Wow. And uh, we met a young lady who uh, was over there, was embedded there, hmm. and she invited us over. And um, we were prepared to go. And then my wife said, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, found out she, she was pregnant with our first child. Mm. And uh, so we said, we'll go in two years. 
Mm-hmm. Two years came, and guess what? Mm-hmm. She was pregnant with our second child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll say we're going two years. Mm-hmm. Two years later, she was pregnant <laughs> with our, our third child, and now here we are. She's three. Now it's been three years since she's mm-hmm. had um, our 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 um, our youngest child. So mm-hmm. we have three children, mm-hmm. and we still have have plans to do some sort of foreign mission yeah. uh, as a family. Yeah. And uh, I think God was telling us to slow down mm-hmm. a little bit and get a little more. Uh, I have a little more for you to learn mm. before you embed yourself permanently uh, mm. in a foreign mission. So, and it's wonderful because uh, I've just been revealed daily of just not only the foreign mission part of it, but how my family, our little girls, mm. fit into that equation. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. Just the education. Just if we want to make the world a better place, we have to start with our babies. Mm. And what babies do I have? I'm not in a formal teaching. Uh, capacity now right I have my girls yeah and they can lead this charge to uh, overseas missions that's really an important point you know on a show just a couple weeks ago we were uh, talking with some young people and uh, they were talking about loving your neighbor you know Mm -hmm. obviously and my comment to them was you know the closest neighbor is the person living in your house correct so your love for your children the the care that you have for them to uh, actually uh, give them a view of the world that many don't have is is a big deal. So, uh, you know, I've heard about this from, from a few folks. When they do world missions, you know, they take the family and they just go. Is that still your plan? Absolutely. Okay. 150% okay. of is that such a thing. Okay. Uh, that is definitely my plan uh, to one day uh, help the world as much as I mm-hmm. can, the world that I can touch. Mm. And... Um, uh, and bring my my little girls mm. with me. Um, just their exposure. Just you know, my wife and I together. We've been to over twenty eight countries, mm. and uh, just having that perspective, that world perspective, is enlightening. And yes. of course, you know, a college a- educated person mm. uh, having kids can teach their their children a little bit better than someone who's not college ed- educated. Sure. And, and you know, so when you have experiences, you impart those into your That's children. Right. And it's like they have those experiences with you. Yeah. But I want them to, you know, you know my, my daughter, she wants to learn about, you know, I don't know, landscape. So mm-hmm. let's, let's get a camper. Let's let's go out here yeah. <laughs> and explore the, yeah. the topography of, uh, of America. Hands which on. Which is very, very vast. Yeah. Um, just little things like that mm-hmm. can really spark them to say the world is much bigger than the world I've been given. Yeah. You said a few times now, I think three different times I've heard you use the word help, Mm -hmm. and you uh, mentioned that you want to help the world. Um, One of the things that uh, is the focal point of this particular radio show is the command out of Titus 3 to do good. Um, Tell me, when you are saying the the phrase, help the world, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you as a Christian, specifically as a Christian pastor? Well, first we have to help the world understand that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And that's what I mean, mm-hmm. primarily. And you can do that in several ways. Mm. Of course, going out there and preaching the gospel is something that, that helps people mm. understand to be convicted by the world so they can be changed, be convicted by the words, so they can be changed by the word. Yeah. Um, and then they have to be committed themselves mm-hmm. and they have to be connected. And then they have mm-hmm. to go out there and help the community. Mm. And um, those five tenets that I, I call the five stones. Mm. And I have a ministry called the Five Stones Youth Ministry. Mm. And I want to take those concepts. In order to convict somebody, you have to share. Mm. You have to tell somebody about who Jesus Christ is, mm. who he is in your life, and how he shows up. So when I say help, uh, it's not just that, that arrogant 
American stance <laughs> that we have and you don't, mm -hmm. and I'm going to help you get what I have so you can be, you know, materially, you can be uh, better, better yeah. off somehow. And that is furthest from mm. uh, my mindset. It's mm. more like, how can I bring Jesus into your life? Mm -hmm. However he shows up in your life, whether you have something material or not, you are equal to yeah. everyone else in this world. And you are uh, someone that is going to be saved from sin. Sure. God made in God's image. This is a, a huge issue for us. So one of the things you and I were talking about the other day um, when we met, uh, I asked you the question, does your sociology drive your theology, or is it the other way around? Do you want to <laughs> expound on that? We want to preach a little bit? Unfortunately, there's too much sociology driving theology today. And theology should be driven by the gospel of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And that is it. And my motivations are um, driven by the gospels. That's it. And through the gospel, we can help sociology. We can mm -hmm. help our, our fellow man. Mm. Um, I heard recently that there's 3,500 scriptures about social justice and helping the poor mm -hmm. in the Bible. And only a few about these other things that we get riled up about. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so uh, social justice, sociology is mm. important to God, obviously, because it's in the Bible. I believe mm. the word of God is uh, the truth. Right. Uh, but it should be driven by three things. Mm. And the three commandments that the Bible teaches us. And it's all, you can, we can narrow the Bible down to three commandments. That is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul. That is to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not that selfish. I love myself mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's more like, you know, the, the metaphor I give <laughs> when I talk to young people about this. I give them about suicide. It is impossible to kill yourself. Because mm -hmm. God put so much life inside of you. You cannot kill yourself. Now, you need external things. Maybe you need gravity. Maybe you need a knife. Maybe you need mm -hmm. pills. You need external things, but you yourself, you cannot do. Uh, you try to hold in your breath. Mm -hmm. God put a mechanism, mechanism in your mind for you to breathe. Say, mm -hmm. look, you know, when you get hungry, that is your body saying, I'm dying. I need to be replenished. When you get thirsty, saying, I'm going to be dehydrated. I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. So God put the mechanism so, so you can drink. So you love mm -hmm. your neighbor like that. When, someone, when your neighbor is, is hungry. You give him something to eat because you don't want him to die like you don't want to die. Mm -hmm. Like God has already put that spirit inside of you mm. where you don't want to die. So right. you have these hunger pains, these thirsts. Yeah. When your neighbor is uh, thirsty, you give him some, something to drink because uh, you don't want to be thirsty. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Mm -hmm. You love yourself so much that you want to preserve your life, the life mm -hmm. that God has given you. So let's preserve life of other people. Mm -hmm. And the final commandment that he gave us is to go spread his word mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Everywhere. This is this is huge. This is what we're here about. HB, this is uh, this is a good thing. Absolutely. And uh, Derek, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been watching your walk for a long time. And, and one thing about watching walk and hearing people talk, talk <laughs> is that, that walk don't lie. You right. know, walk is right. walk is you get to see it. You get to realize it. Uh, how did you become so selfless in understanding that pure nature? Because I, I deal with the same thing and the genuine authenticity that I try to go about and just living the word of Christ through. Him through me, this 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 crazy vessel that he created. I don't know why, but he has a reason for me, and I try to shine the light through uh, the way that I feel the presence in him to me. How did you become so selfless in this understanding? Uh, because most people can't get that. When you say love the neighbor like you love yourself, they think of that selfish self right. instead of that selfless self. How do you correct? How do you break that down? Well, first I just have to realize when I look in the mirror that I'm no different than anybody else. 
and God put the capacity for this in every single one of us. And uh, I want to live my life that way, that I'm not different than you. And if I can help you realize what God has uniquely made you to be, you know, which is no different than mine, might, it might manifest itself differently, but we are the same. Um, how I got this way is just, you know, this, this thing, this book I read. It's called the Bible. I'm with you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, was, I was praying, Lord, let him get to the word. Please let him get to that map you built. You know, seriously. I read that book and I, I realized that, you know, the book isn't about me. It's about the wonderful thing that God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we are to embody that. You know, when I when I read Romans 8 and 29, you know, we quote 28, 29 tells us Mm. why all things work together for the good. It's because we're trying to be like Jesus Christ. And if we take that model of being like Jesus Christ, then we have no room to be selfish in the way that that's destructive for someone else to preserve myself. Mm. We got to be selfless where we want to uh, help everyone understand Mm. their humanity and Mm. their how they can be sonship they they can they can be like christ uh which i think is the goal to be as much like christ and that's the process of sanctification is being as pure as you can doesn't mean you won't stumble doesn't mean you won't have sin uh but as long as you turn towards god i think uh you realize that number one it's not about me it's about how can you know how can who god has me to be today can lead to someone else uh, understanding who they can be in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole uh, being conformed to the image of the Son, uh, Romans eight twenty nine, uh, certainly goes back to the image of God and man. Uh, this is what was what we were intended to be. Right. Uh, Romans five emphasizes that uh, by one man sin entered into the into the world, but also by one man. A righteousness, a righteous standard of justice was established. And then, Absolutely. of course, this is uh, through Jesus. And all of this, then, is what drives us. It drives HB, it drives you, it drives me, it drives anybody who's a believer, that our responsibility is to take the gifts given to us, the opportunities given to us, and we do with those things as we've been given opportunity to do so. We're going to take a break and hold it right there. Dr. Mark Eckel, Derek Slacker in studio today. We are warping and woofing on the radio and uh, people Jesus don't want us to all be alike (laughs) (laughs) we'll be right back on RadioNext.tv and the cool group RadioNext.tv Comenius Institute sponsored show today Warping Wolf Radio every Wednesday morning 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and I am here with the president (laughs) Uh, what's happening mark oh we're doing great cominius is a great organization uh, because it's about young people and the focus uh, of our organization is actually to meet young people where they're at on the campus of iupui answering their academic intellectual questions they are hit with lots of things coming out of their churches uh, at the end of their senior year in high school going uh, into freshman year of college at a public university and uh, we hold lunches, uh, sit and have individual conversations about the things that they're learning and not learning at public university and thinking from a Christian vantage point, how do we consider those kinds of ideas? And so that's what uh, Cominius does. And of course, this radio show then gives us this great opportunity uh, to do something else that Cominius does, and that is to reach out into the community. And we're doing all kinds of connections with all different kinds of folks around the baseline idea of Titus chapter 3, the three commands there to do good. And we're looking for everybody and anybody 
who is doing good in the community. So those of you listening, uh, anybody that you think, hey, Mark needs to have this person on, this group on, we would be happy to hear from you. Uh, email me at echel, that's E-C-K-E-L 1957 at Gmail, and uh, let us know what you're thinking and what kind of folks you'd like to see on the show. Absolutely, and we also want to remind you parents, grandparents, uncles, guardians, that this is the time of year where your young people will be going away from home for the first time. And uh, Comenius is a great, great stop gap between uh, just being out there in the wilderness and having a, a good safe That's haven right. to go to to talk and discuss some of the things. As you say in your promo, if we don't have a base where people, when they go away for the first time, we're losing so That's many right. people to the world. Yep. Um, so we have to have an organization like Comenius, Prout's uh, board member, and uh, you know, let's continue to raise awareness of the good works that we do. That's and, right. Uh, have your children if they go to IUPUI this summer. And then you can also go online and find out the other uh, agents around the country because there are That's 30, right. There's about 30, 30 different study centers around the country. In fact, I'm getting ready in July to go uh, to our big gathering up in Wheaton, Illinois this year it is. And so we'll be together with uh, probably over 100 different folks from lots of different places around the United States. They're doing essentially the same kinds of things that we're doing here in Indianapolis. Wonderful. Well, we do in Indianapolis and around the United States, but we got a worldwide mogul That's in right. the house on spreading <laughs> the word. Derek Slack is in the house uh, doing some great missionary work um, around the country and around the world, um, you know, trying to just bring, the, you know, the pure spirit and word of Christ uh, to those who don't know. That's and, right. Uh, back at it. So. Yeah. So one of the things that we discussed, uh, Pastor, when we were together uh, was this deep concern for the holistic view of God's work in the world. And uh, between the two of us, uh, we just kind of stumbled into the theme for the day, uh, and that is macro mission. So kind of give our audience an overview of what we meant when we were talking about macro mission the other day. Absolutely. I think we just have such a narrow view uh, of Christianity and its purpose and its power, that we miss the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is to spread God's word mm. out of love for him and mm. love for your fellow human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think if we uh, continue to keep that view in mind, we wouldn't get bogged down in some of the atrocities that we commit in the name of Christ mm. um, every Sunday. Mm. We segregate ourselves yep. into little buildings yep. and um, we talk at people. Mm. Uh, not really empowering them to go out here and take up the mantle and mm. be the church every yes. single, every, everywhere you go. Right. With the focus that everybody should know Christ. Mm. We have one God. Mm. We have one world. Mm. And God is a God for everybody. Mm. I mean, the deep corners of uh, Cambodia, someone who has never heard Christ, mm somebody needs to be empowered enough to go reach that person mm. with Christ so that they can reach the people in their community who can reach the people in their community who can reach the people in their community and so mm. forth so forth um, so macro missions to me is just taking you know when I when I, you know, I ran the mini marathon uh, a few years ago okay and uh, part of it you go around the 500 mile tracks two and a half miles around when you're running on that track all you can see is what's right in front of you mm. That's the micro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to take care of the next step. Yeah. But the macro mission is the track. And when you're in an airplane going over, you pass by the 500-mile track, you can see the entire track. Mm -hmm. You can see the entire thing. And it comes clear like, oh, this is an oval. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is something. <laughs> this, is, this is where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that's where that's where the uh, your focus on Christ comes in. Your mm. focus on the macro of uh, you can see the entire picture of what Christ has for His world, mm. not just what right in front of you. Right. And sometimes we don't even see what what's right in front of us. Mm. Sometimes we can only we can't get past the the little mission that we have within our church Mm -hmm. you know i own the usher board (laughs) you know and no disrespect to anybody that that, sure that that feels a calling to work in a local church yeah uh but it has to be bigger than that Mm -hmm. when we're arguing when we're fighting for position when we're Mm. when we're saying that a position is is our ministry Mm. we're missing the point yeah big time missing the focus and we're actually perverting Mm. Christianity because mm. people are looking in on this and say why would I want to be a Christian mm. Gandhi said it best if everybody every, if every Christian um, acted like Christ everybody would want to be one <laughs> <laughs> and that's the sadness of it because of course we see that that's not necessarily the case right. when we talk about the macro part of this it, it dawns on me as we're just talking about this right now uh, that I tell my students the greatest, the greatest to me, a missionary verse in the whole Bible is the very first one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if we're going to talk about the macro, uh, we're really interested in the, in the whole of this. One of the things that, um, that made me think about this as you were talking was uh, I know a missionary who just came back from Uganda. We were mentioning Uganda off, off air. And uh, he has been for the last five years helping Ugandan farmers learn how to plant corn so that they can have greater yields, so they can feed people, and so on. He was driven by this very thing, that is, that he loves people because God has loved him, and he's helping somebody in a very specific personal way. Uh, He's a farmer from Indiana. He grew up on a big farm in Indiana north of us, Uh, so, you know, he's kind of got the chops to do those kinds of things. Let's take this macro idea now, and let's talk about how do we see this uh, embodied, as it were, in individuals who have certain gifts and passions along the way, uh, how do we see this being worked out in the lives of Christians? That's an excellent question. Uh, because we have to use our individual gifting. And I think we have to go where there's the greatest need. And, um, you know, and that's not necessarily uh, places that are poor. Mm-hmm. It's places that are, you know, that are rampant with sin, yep. that are rampant with uh, I don't know Christ mm. and let's go to those places using our gifts and that's the gifts is the your gift is what's going to open doors for you yeah that's what's going to make room for you mm-hmm. that's what's going to uh, that's going to be the conversation starter mm. that's going to be the what's it you know yeah. you walk in like what's that well, that's the conversation <laughs> starter yeah you know what it is I have you know I have some corn that I want to plant, and I want to show you how to cultivate it. Mm. Uh, why are you doing this? Because uh, I love Jesus. Well, who's mm. Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. There it is, yeah. And once you introduce them to Jesus, uh, you are feeding him in the most profound way. Mm-hmm. You are feeding them for, uh, for eternity. Mm. Uh, while you're feeding a community mm. uh, for the temporal, mm. you know, you've, you're, you're helping them... Uh, you know, farm. Mm. If that's your gift, if your gift is speaking, go speak. Yeah. Uh, go to where there's the most need. Mm. Sometimes the most need is across town. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there's a statistic that there's 400,000 churches in America. Something's wrong. Mm. It's either somebody's not using their gifting, mm. and we still have great need mm-hmm. in communities with churches on you know just about every corner. Indianapolis alone. Mm. You know the the 
the highest uh, crime, you know, st- uh, zip code is four six two one eight. So if you look at four six two one eight, look how many churches are in that community. Mm. You know, what are those churches doing? What are they saying to their people that live in those communities? Mm. How are they using their gifts? How are they empowering them to use their gifts to help people just right there? Mm. And that's still the macro view, even though it's it's right in front of you. Sure, it's still saying that I want to help humanity understand who Christ is. Mm. Um, you know, God so loved the world that He mm. gave His only begotten Son. So He gave this He gave His Son to everyone. Mm. Why aren't we doing that? Mm. One of the things that stood out to me in some of what you've just suggested is uh, this idea that we go to where the greatest need is. Now, some of the folks that I teach uh, in master's level work uh, are church planters in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you think about Manhattan, I mean, this is one of the richest communities in the United States. Talk about zip codes. (laughs) You know, this one's pretty rich. So uh, here are guys that are planting churches in Manhattan because not because this is the richest place or because they've got it all together because they've got great careers and they they make six or seven figures but there's great sin and there's great need uh, in Manhattan as we all know uh, just as much as we know that there's great need wherever it is that we are and so when we talk about the issue of need let's talk about that for a minute when you see needs uh, how, how do we how do we understand what the need is? I mean, when when we're seeing a situation, we're seeing a group of people. How do I we identify what a need is? That's a good question, and not an easily answered question at that, because society per, per, perverse uh, yeah gets into our our psyche to say mm. that, and even some of these churches, they they tell us that prosperity mm. is the blessings of God. When you have more, that's the blessings of God. Mm-hmm. He gave me a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. You got blessed. He gave me, you know, you know, you got your rent paid this week. You got money. You, you, you are blessed. And I think that is that is just false preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, just just from my perspective of of when I when I talk about blessings. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that you can go and help someone is the blessing in itself. Mm-hmm. The fact, you know, when I think of Manhattan, I live in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I live there, so I understand that there's great need, mm-hmm. you know, even though there's 429,000 millionaires that mm-hmm. live in Manhattan alone, mm-hmm. you know, with a with a metropolitan of 14 million people. Mm-hmm. So when you got that many people, um, the need sometimes is, you know, some of the poorest people in the world have all the money. That's right. Some of the richest people in the world have materially nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you identify need, it's just like, who is, you know, who are your God? Isn't who it is your God? You know, this issue of who your God is uh, brings us to the issue of uh, how do you define rich and poor? Mm-hmm. So, you know, from our perspective, from a Christian vantage point, we're defining this a whole different way. I mean, Correct. diametrically opposed to what our culture uh, is defining this as. So when we think about the the issue of need and the redefinition of what rich and what poor is, mm-hmm. uh, and we're seeing that particular need, let's say in a community or or whatever it might be, uh, what are the very first things that we need to do for that particular group or that community where folks are living when we see this need and they've really flipped the switch and gone a different direction and don't understand that riches isn't what riches really is meant to be. <laughs> We look at uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and you see that um, uh, 
uh, man came up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. He was like, give up everything and follow me. Come mm. on. <laughs> it's, mm. it's not rocket science. Mm. Uh, he was like, oh, give up everything. Yeah. Uh, well, let me go bury my. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me go, let me go. go back. <laughs> <laughs> let me think about that for a minute. He was like, look, you're either with me or you're not. And, mm-hmm. you know, a few verses before that, it talks about uh, what good is a man to gain the world and lose his very self. And, you know, and I, 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 I do a series or a sermon on, on, on that very scripture when it talks about the biggest loser. Mm. You know, what are you. Uh, God tells us to lose ourself, mm. lose our selfishness, lose our, you know, our attachment to our possessions, mm. lose those false idols, those, those <sighs> gods that we've attached ourselves to, mm. and then follow Christ. Mm. If you're not willing to do that, then we have to really, you know, I think that's the first step. You have yeah. to tell people that God is your God. And that's all you need. One of the things that it strikes me when we talk about these kinds of things is that how much of the culture has invaded our thinking. Oh, and, uh, you know, this probably is something that we need to explore a little bit further, uh, maybe after a break. Let's take a break right now because that uh, we definitely want to dive in on that because mm-hmm. I think what we are understanding and what we have inherited as Christian principles um, and you can speak better on that on a macro level, especially since you've been to some of those countries where yeah. real Christian practices are taking place. We're mm. going to talk about this this uh, Americanized Christian mm-hmm. uh, theology, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, we're coming back. Warp and Wolf Radio here on the Cool Groove side of Radio Neck. Radio Neck. Yeah. TV on the Cool Groove side. <laughs> Derek Slack came here, boy. We had to get that falling in love with Jesus in, man, because that's what we're talking about. And if you're uh, just tuning in, we're talking about the next generation church and the macro level of how we should love and how we should uh, convey a Christian lifestyle. And I think that we've been too boxed up here and uh, what we have learned in America mm-hmm. um, as Christian faith and belief. And uh, if you do not believe that you're a product of your environment, just go to Psychology 101. <coughs> Find out what makes it up, what makes up the person you are. And, it, it you know, it says it right there, right, mm. Dr. Mark? Hey, man, this environment thing does indeed impact us, and that's where we want to go. We want to talk next about the issue of culture and how much does culture really impact the church. Obviously, from Jesus' point of view, he's saying uh, be in the world but not of it. He expects the church to inv- influence the culture. But indeed, so many times, and what we're discussing even today, is that it's exactly flipped around. So, uh, Pastor, let's talk about that particular issue, um, how the culture has impacted the church in a negative way. Oh, man. <laughs> like, where do you don't I have enough, you don't have enough time, do you? We only have two hours. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, let's start with this prosperity lie, mm-hmm. this prosperity myth mm-hmm. that your blessings come from the more that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's a cultural thing because our culture... We celebrate. We don't celebrate the the guy on the street begging for money. Mm-hmm. We don't. We, we do celebrate the celebrity mm-hmm. that's doing all kinds of uh, debauchery. That um, and we say, "Wow, he's rich. He has a voice. He's powerful." Mm-hmm. Just because he has money, that gives him influence. Influence yeah. gives him power, and that power can can wield a narrative, mm. uh, society's narrative. So this narrative is created by a very few people, and they have agendas. To enrich themselves, mm-hmm. uh, the narrative that uh, we're supposed to suffer in silence, we're supposed to just take it. Ooh, you know, that trickles down to our mentality at church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the church, you know, 
the modern church today has outsourced everything to the world. Ooh, outsourced We've outs <laughs> everything. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've outsourced um, our education. Mm -hmm. We depend on the uh, the world to educate our kids. Mm -hmm. And then we're supposed to, you know, give them some sort of morality with that three hours a day on mm -hmm. Sunday, three mm -hmm. hours a week on Sunday, yeah. and expect not the world to get dominated into their, mm -hmm. their, their psyche. We outsource uh, our, our jobs. We outsource our... Our, our help we leave it to the state mm. well the state is taking 40 percent of my check they should be doing mm -hmm. what the church should be doing they should be out there feeding the poor they should be out there helping the sick and the widows and all this what the church should be doing mm -hmm. so and honestly i don't see a, a good role for mm. a modern church today that as we practice it especially and i say this um very deliberately especially in the black community mm. Our churches, um, as I just heard today, are just recycled oppression. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a movement out there, this woke movement, this um, sort of um, I don't know, uh, this conscious movement that says that Christianity we shouldn't follow it because it's a white man's religion. Mm -hmm. You know, any uh, black person uh, shouldn't follow after Christ because the white man. You know, what were you practicing in in Africa? Mm -hmm. They gave you this 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 oppressive uh, religion and we're following today mm. I, I disagree mm. I don't believe Christianity is a white or black man's religion or a Chinese man's religion I think it's God's religion Amen. I think it's God's uh, <coughs> uh, way to reconcile us to him mm. is uh, through Christ right. and I believe that wholeheartedly right. the way we practice it is mm -hmm. a white man's religion. <laughs> that's, a, that's in a word there. Yeah, and I mean that not, you know, just blanketly saying white people are, are this way, but the way it was introduced to us sure. to oppress us, yeah. to keep us docile. I think we recycle that each Sunday. Mm. We tell our congregants to uh, sit down and shut up and take it and uh, put your head down. And I am your supreme being when it comes to mm. anything matters of, of Christianity. Mm. Even when it doesn't have to do with Christianity. About four times a service, <laughs> pay me. Pay me. Mm. Right. And uh, we were just talking off air about uh, Dr. Barber, Dr. William Barber, uh, last week uh, gave an eloquent, you know, reason why we should just uh, stop all this oppressive uh, ways we're, we're dealing with our people. So we're asking the poorest people in our communities who show up to church on mm. Sunday. You know, especially in the black community, and we're asking them for uh, to pay their tithes. With which, in the New Testament, as you know, there's no mention of tithes. Right. There's no uh, New Testament justification oh, I love for you, paying man. tithes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and I go to a Baptist church, so <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no New Testament. I want to repeat that. You know, read your Bible. There's mm -hmm. no New Testament justification for paying tithes mm -hmm. and we're asking the poorest people to pay you know some arbitrary 10 percent of your of, of of what you don't get so the government takes 40 the church takes takes 10 and then what mm -hmm. that'd be a difference if we take that as uh, pooling our resources to help those people mm -hmm. that need it the most but we're not we're taking it to uh buy new carpet uh, paint the cathedral so it can look nice on Sunday. Uh, take Hi. pet right. off of that carpet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pay my car note, yeah. you know, to, to dryer. To Mercedes, <laughs> Worldwide Motors, of Indiana. Hey, man, right. I'm going to keep it up. There's nothing wrong with having good things. Those things are not bad in itself. 
but it's your focus when you make it your God, mm -hmm. when you make it your reason, mm -hmm. when you make it when you're taking those resources. You talking about robbing God on Sunday? Yeah. Will a man rob God? Is a is a familiar passage mm -hmm. in a in a, the black community, and as as opposed to getting you know taking your money. But are we fighting for these people to raise their standard of living, mm. to raise their income? Are we going out there fighting for, for, for social justice? Are we going out there fighting for their humanity and their rights well, as what, a human what about, being? Derek, though, just simple, equal pay for uh, women and right. uh, people of color. Uh, just, you know, the church for the is same silent job. But I mean, what about what about putting that kind of energy into um, if you're really interested in tithes, I right. would think that you would want to go make mm -hmm. sure that your uh, parishioners were paid equal dollar. Correct. Uh, that's out here in, in society. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, simple things that, like you mentioned, that we could fight for. And, and back to the tithe thing, I had this discussion. I had to just leave the preachers alone because, you know, I'd, I'd take pride in. I don't like to say pride because I know God doesn't like that. But I, I put so much value in the word that I get to read. And in the Old Testament, if people don't know, tithes were to take care of the person who was the priest. And the priest at that time was uh, the person pretty much like the mayor or somebody taking care of the governor, so to speak, who took care of spiritually, who took care of uh, uh, morally all the different people in, in that little village. And it might have been a village of about 25, 30 people, and he was the cat taking care of it. So, yeah, they gathered their resources and said, let's make sure that he eats. Let's make sure that home is okay and all that. And that was the initial tithe. And how we got to give me 10%, you know, 10 on Sunday mm. from that, you know, when, when really it's meant to say as this village is constructed, we're going to make sure that everybody who's valuable in it do good, do good, do good, mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, you know, and, and that's that's where it came from. We, we get it so twisted now, mm -hmm. man, like it's a, a price that we had to pay God to mm -hmm. get into heaven. Like there's an admission right. fee. Mm -hmm. man. And again, when we talk about the culture influencing um, our church and not vice versa, our church should influence our culture. We have this this false doctrine of scarcity. Mm -hmm. And. That really gets under my skin. We have a God, you know, just look at the blades of grass. Hmm. Look, look how many there are. <laughs> just look at all the trees. Look how much air we have. We have enough air that 7 billion people at once can breathe. Hmm. At once. Uh, and the way God has designed this world is beautiful and it's hmm. abundant. But we go on Sunday and say we don't have enough. Hmm. The church don't have enough. We don't have this. We don't have that. We have plenty. If we go out there and really, truly adhere to the to the word of God, we would realize the resources. The source, number one, is God. Mm. And he will provide all the resources we need. Mm. You know, when it, you know, when we, we go back to the children of Israel and we talk about daily manna, you know, they didn't know where their next meal was coming from, but they knew exactly where their next meal was coming mm. from. And if we had that mentality here today, because we're the lost, <laughs> we're the lost souls running around the wilderness of America right now. If we had that that mentality that God is going to provide for us, you know, give us this day our daily bread. If we truly believe that what what Jesus was saying, you know, that I will provide for you if you come and seek me. Get rid of everything because you don't need those things. But when you when when you have me. And you have those things, mm. you will use those to uplift mm. my people. It's what Jesus is calling us to do. So our culture tells us that there's not enough, you know. And when there's the lower half of three billion, three and a half billion people, eight people have more money than that. Eight people that walk this earth 
have more money than half of the entire world, to me, there's there's plenty to go around. There's plenty of resources. We just have to reshift our focus and stop idolizing these people with money. Mm-hmm. Stop idolizing money in itself. Mm-hmm. Stop using that as, oh man, you know, when, when you have nothing and when you have too much, it's mm-hmm. a dangerous thing. <laughs> One of the things that's that struck me recently uh, as I've been reading just generally at various places in the last month is uh, we have had a stress on apologetics for a long time. Mm-hmm. Apologetics means the defense of the faith. And apologetics, uh, we really are trying to prove that something is true. And in this case, uh, you know, the proof that uh, Christianity is true. So, you know, I'm reading apologetic uh, right now, uh, apologetic book right now. So there's an emphasis on truth, and I fully subscribe to it. I think it's very important and powerful. But one of the most powerful tools that we have in demonstrating the truth is the goodness that we have to give to other people. Now, the goodness can come in lots of different ways. Uh, It could be that I'm just simply going to help my neighbor do something in his yard or uh, that he doesn't have enough to eat and I'm going to help provide or he doesn't have a place to stay, I'm going to do something like this or um, he's in prison and I'm going to go visit him. Sounds vaguely like Matthew 25, you know. Uh, So when when you think about the apologetic for the Christian church, it is, yes, this is a historic, true belief system and we can defend it. But then how do we go about defending doing good as just as much a declaration of the truth of Christianity? That, that's, that's it right there, though. That's, you know, to me, the most powerful proof that something is true mm. is uh, that you live it. Mm. You know, we proclaim we can, we, can, we can go out here and try to defend our faith, you know, with words. But we need to do it indeed. Mm. We need to do it, you know. You don't, you don't need a megaphone mm-hmm. <laughs> to do good. Mm. Um, and you don't, you know, and I, 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 I'll qualify this. You don't need Christ to do good. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people out here saying they're doing good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really, you know, but you have to do it with, with the heart of the macro that That's Jesus right. Christ is the reason why we're doing this. And we want to give people Christ more right. so than, you know, you know, I don't know the, the religion of or the faith of Eli Lilly. But they give away hundreds of millions of dollars a year mm-hmm. that seemingly do good. Right. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, that can also influence the culture of the church yes. to say that, you know, well, you got these other people helping us. So they must be, you know, and what they do, mm-hmm. it comes with strings. None of that money, none of that hundred million comes without strings. So right. is it aligned with my faith? And do I need this resource if it's not going to be aligned with my faith? Yeah. And then Eli Lilly has a corporate responsibility. So this is not like, you know, we just want to do good maybe right. because there is a corporate responsibility of all the FedExes and Eli Lillys and people like that to give back after making X amount of dollars. So sometimes good is a tax break right. from the corporate eye. Uh, you know, thank God for the resources that help go into some of the programs. But let's face this: uh, <laughs> if there was not a such thing as corporate responsibility, how many people would give back uh, because of just I want to give? Institutions are good in the sense that God has established, let's say, the family, the church, the government. These things are good institutions. But what happens then with, let's say, for instance, those who have are institutions of banking or institutions of philanthropy um, they become institutionalized sometimes and they become this this religion all by themselves yeah. and and as right. you well suggested we focus our attention on oh they've got the money so they must be doing something right right 
and <laughs> everything isn't right. And sometimes we have to have the power with the with the force of God behind us, mm -hmm. because you know to say no sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that all good money ain't all ain't money good. ain't good. <laughs> yeah, all money ain't good. <laughs> You know, Derek, before we take this break, you know, this question, and we were talking about the African-American church um, and, and pretty much the way African-Americans are taught. I mean, it's almost fear first. Um, uh, then it is um, guilt. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, we can talk about that after right. the break, but we want to talk about the psyche um, that the, the parishioners of the African American Church and some of the pastors of the African Church, African American Church, not to to beat down, but to fix the problem. I always say, if we don't know what the problems are, we can't fix them. And we've got so many problems uh, in this thing called religion mm. when we're supposed to be leading people to Christ. That we need to talk about that mm. candidly. Uh, we're going to come right back. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio here on the Cool Groove side at Radio Next TV. Radio Next TV. We're going to take one more song and then we're going to come back and close this great show out. I mean, this is power in the message. Mm, Dr. It Mark sure Echo, is. Wonderful Derek stuff. Derek Slack is in here sharing some word. We're talking about next generation church and the macro level mm -hmm. uh, that we need to kind of be on in a mi mindset because we have been practicing uh, church and religion as we know it due to this country that's been oh, about a little bit shy of 300 years now and this world and Christianity has a history way richer that's Way right. Way longer That's right. than what we know. So we'll be right back. Radio TV on the Cool Groove site. We're back. Warping Wolf Radio. Very, very interesting conversation today. We are welcoming Derek Slack, Pastor Derek Slack, Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Going to get the church some pub up in here, D Slack. <laughs> Formerly youth pastor of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Recently okay. uh, redirected my energies, uh, doing some other things. Um, focus on this macro missions mm. and really making that um, a full uh, focus. So, most recently, I say youth pastor. You know, this is still May, so okay, uh, all right. I've, uh, so, moving on to doing uh, different endeavors and different things, and where God is leading me. Great, yeah. and uh, I'll well, tell you, Mark, it is it's fun to watch. You know, like I told you, the toilers and the ones that mm. do versus the one that talk. And uh, as Derek mentioned earlier, he had a program here on Radio TV. Oh, about three years ago, I would take it. And uh, just watching the development mm. of, of this brother and, you know, the, the babies that came along the way in the last <laughs> couple of years. Go ahead, man. Get it in. <laughs> Back to you, Mark. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. I, you know, this particular conversation we're having is such an important one. It's hard to listen to because we're actually being honest about, you know, what Scripture applies to real life. And one of the things we talked about just before we were coming off air or to the next break was this great question of why do people do things that are good? And within the scope of the macro mission emphasis, obviously there are lots of people doing lots of good things in the world who aren't necessarily Christians. But the great question is why do we do what's good? And that's really what drives us. So let's take that uh, from, from this particular point on and say, Let's talk about the goodness that we do based on the love of Christ and why it is uh, that what the very thing that drives you to do these new things, these new endeavors that you're invested in. Well, first and foremost, uh, what drives me personally is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, I would contend that that should be the motivation for everyone um, in the world. Uh, but I'm also conscious that, there, like you said, there's, there's good that's in the world. Uh, I look at it sometimes as, as, as David, you know, he didn't have armor, he didn't have weapons, he had these little rocks in his pocket, 
and he defeated a giant. Uh, but he proved he defeated the giant by uh, showing his head throughout the city. Mm. How did he get his head? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he used the weapons that Goliath had mm. to chop off his to Goliath's head. Mm -hmm. So I think we can use, you know, the riches are stored up for, uh, uh, for the people of God, right. for the righteous. Yep. So I think uh, we can use those those good intentions. I would sure. say because not a, I don't think there's there's evil intentions, uh, but if we say that sin is a motivator, mm -hmm. I'm motivated by sin to do some good. Uh, you know, and I say that because it's selfish. I feel good. Mm -hmm. All, All right. these poor people. Let me just go and help them. No, I want to help them uh, raise their standards so they can. You know. Mm. Uh, I want I want to give them Christ. I want mm. to show the love of Christ, what mm. Christ would, you know, mm. uh, give me. Just like Matthew 25 says, mm. when I'm in prison, when I'm hungry, when I'm, uh, did, did you feed me? Yeah. Did you did you give me some water? Did you right. come visit me? When I was sick, did you try to help heal me? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of sicknesses, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's physical sickness, there's mental sickness, there's emotional sickness, there's spiritual sickness that we can do mm. uh, good by giving Christ to them. Mm. So in, in a Christian context, I think we should be motivated by Christ first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Yes. There should be no other motivation. Do I feel good? Do I mm -hmm. not feel good? Because sometimes Christ will have you doing some things mm -hmm. that you don't feel good about. Mm -hmm. It's not Ooh. the truth. <laughs> one, <laughs> one of the things that uh, stands out in this discussion is, uh, is that famous old line in uh, Exodus chapter 12 where God gave uh, Israel the opportunity to plunder the Egyptians. That's mm -hmm. the phrase. And so even throughout uh, the rest of the First Testament teaching, over and over again, we see this uh, basic statement that even though unrighteous people develop money, uh, it will be left to those who are righteous to use. And so it's important for us to recognize, as you well say, that yes, there are good things that are happening in the culture, but then we actually use those good things. Your example of Goliath's <laughs> sword. Uh, we use those good things for the benefit of other people and other things. So we're not suggesting by any means that, in, in one case, for instance, that money is bad. Obviously, we all need that. Uh, but at the same time, we're asking the question, what's our motivation? What's the intention of our heart? What is it that really drives us uh, toward these things? So obviously, all the way through this program, you've emphasized your passion. And your passion is Jesus is motivating you, uh, doing what you do in this life and the good things that you're doing. But we haven't yet talked about this great thing you're going to do this summer, uh, and that's go to Ghana. So why don't you give us kind of the lowdown on this and give us the big picture because, man, we want to make sure to have that on here. Well, I'm going to Ghana this summer, Lord willing. Um, it's been in my heart, like I said, uh, at the top of the show, uh, I used to live in Ghana, mm. and it's a very good introduction. I've been to 13 other countries in Africa, and the consensus that I've you know, talk to other people that's been to Africa and uh, just my personal experience. Ghana is a great introduction to uh, uh, Africa. And I believe, you know, the, the motivation, of course, is Christ. We want to go and deliver Christ. But it's also exposure to the people that come from over here. Uh, some of them are thinking they're going to, you know, with that mindset that, wow, we got this. We're raising $40,000 to go and help these people. Uh, we're going over here to spread good. The, the love of Christ and uh, no matter what the cost is we need to get that exposure so that uh, we can understand our fit in society and we're only only, go, we're only going for uh, 10 days so uh, you know I was there Tuesday September 11th 
2001 when you know two planes flew into a building so i understand the power of one day can change the entire world but I don't, i'm not going over there seeking uh, to change the world in 10 days but what i do want to do is change these individuals that are going with me so they can touch a life to change someone's uh, to change someone's life to understand to be a bridge yep. also culturally in america uh if you're if you're look like me you call yourself an african-american you don't realize how american you are uh, culturally we 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 fight against being american because i don't want to be that that oppressive side so we try to attach ourselves to being african but we really don't know that side whatsoever except for a few that come to <laughs> come over here to go to school and they're americanized and they're to be american. quite frank <laughs> correct and most of them are educated in europe and then they make their way to america so um it's an opportunity to finally juxtapose your dichotomy that you've lived for 400 years. You realize how American you are, which is not a bad thing. And you realize how African you are, which is certainly not a bad thing. And they come smack at a head. And Ghana's a great introduction to that because there's a good, when you discover that you are American, you're not really <laughs> So you're as really not as, as African thought. as you think. You you're going to try to gravitate to some Americanized, Westernized things. Uh, but there is an awakening in you that you realize that, you know, everybody I've ever met has these characteristics of these people here culturally. And just, to, you know, and then we start understanding our story uh, from 500 years ago to today and how, you know, and there's 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 one aspect when we go to this place called Cape Coast Castle and it's a castle that sits there on the ocean. And four or five hundred years ago, they used to. Uh, pull the boats up to this castle and just load cargo of human beings uh, thousands at a time onto this boat to carry off into the, uh, the world unknown. And through the door they have to go through, they called it the door of no return. Because once you leave this door, you're never coming back. Some people committed suicide. It's like, I don't want to do this. They jumped off the boat. Some of them rode the boat until they landed and they got here to Plymouth Rock. They landed on them and uh, uh, froze to death because they didn't have the proper clothes. But there are some that <coughs> that survived. Not only survived, but thrived. Not only thrived, but raised families. Not only raised families, but had children who had children who had children who had me. Yeah, and legacy was born. And then I could stand in front of that door and call it a lie. That is not the door of no return. I'm here. And when we see how God plays a role in all of that, it's a powerful thing, you know, and we, we have the generation now, and I like to take young people on these, these mission trips. Uh, we have a generation now that is the most powerful generation that's ever walked the face of this earth. We're the most powerful. We have access to everything in this world. Uh, we have our full rights. I was my mother's first son to be born with his full rights. Uh, we have the opportunities like none other generation that has ever lived. We're just not the wisest. Mm. And how do you know, as Carter G. Woodson mm -hmm. says, if you have a man's mind, you don't have to worry about what he does with his body. So if we can recapture that mind, that spirit, to say that we're giving you the gospel, we're telling you about Jesus Christ, we're telling you your place and how you can help the world, and you can be exposed to where you've come from, mm -hmm. it's a powerful, you can use your power to do that good. Yeah, that to do the good you. thing. It, it strikes me as you, as you say these things that uh, one of the things that the older generation uh, should be thinking about instead of 
dissing the kids that are doing this or going there, why are they spending their time doing these things, and what about all those screens? Instead of saying those kinds of things, perhaps what we ought to be saying is, let me, let me have them over for dinner. Let me, let me go and watch them uh, play, their, play their games, or let me uh, go to their concert, or let me be invested in them somehow uh, to come alongside them. So how do you do this uh, in your present concerns to your ministry? Uh, how do you do this to help uh, the older generation come alongside the younger generation with the wisdom that they have? Well, <laughs> I jokingly say that most people, especially black people, are from Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Explain that. Yeah, tell me, explain that. The motto for Missouri is show me state. Okay. And sometimes you have to get out there and show them mm. the way. You have to be out in the trenches. You know, you know, they should come up with an idea to do this. They should, you know, find a way to do this. You have to be the they. Mm-hmm. And you have to be bridges sometimes. You have to take this older generation. You have to download uh, that wisdom that you have. Mm-hmm. And you have to impart in the, the youth yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be that wise old you have to just step out there on faith which mm-hmm. our which our christianity leaves a lot of room for yeah. to go out there and take risk mm-hmm. you know and a lot of it uh, hb said off air is motivated by fear in our in our christian walk we're afraid of the young people we're mm-hmm. afraid of being cussed out by them we're afraid to tell them to pull up their pants or we're afraid to bring them uh the the gospel because they're going to reject us mm-hmm. you know that's 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 not a that's more saying about you than it's about mm-hmm. them <laughs> I just want to interject here, Mark, because we're getting someplace. I mean, and any time yeah. we can get someplace, whether it's inches, whether it's miles in a conversation, is great. Um, Derek is mentioning something. This young generation, they are great. Um, and truth be told, every generation at this age is the next great generation. They um, are the greatest generation. Uh, for some reason, as 58, 60-year-old brothers like myself, uh, anyone over 50, we forget that when we were watching the Dr. Martin Luther Kings and the, and the transcenders of that civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. These were 25, 26, 24-year-old people mm-hmm. who were making the changes. But we've gotten old and act like we were old when that happened instead of these were the trailblazers mm-hmm. of tomorrow making all this happen, that was, was putting all this energy in and why we don't want to give back that kind of energy and that kind of wisdom and that kind of help to this next generation is coming, I don't get. Um, and, and that's where our problem lies, Derek. We do have the next great generation, but generation now, this baby boomer generation, how are we going to strip ourselves of ourselves? Because some of us were the first uh, African-Americans in their position. Some mm-hmm. of us were the only one who got through the door, mm-hmm. um, which creates now a gatekeeper mentality. And I hear the young people say mm-hmm. it all the time, these 58, 60-year-old guys now, man, give, give up the key to the door mm-hmm. so we can come in. And mm-hmm. we have been so protective of what was ours. <laughs> you know, when we finally, we finally made it, that it's created this chasm to say, let me just impart knowledge. Mm-hmm. Let me see what I can do to help. Let me see how I can freely, cheerfully <laughs> give. Is that where we're going? That's where we're going. And I think... Um I think it's the how you do it, mm-hmm. too. It's the approach. You have to do it with love. You can't do it with anything other than love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm reminded of a, a book I read a long time ago called The Republic. And within there, there's this, um, there's this story called The Allegory of the Cave. It's mm-hmm. written by Socrates. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a brief synopsis of it. These three people were born in a cave, chained to a chair, looking at the back of the cave. And every day, someone would do a puppet show 
but build a fire and do a puppet show. So the only light they saw was the light reflection on the back of the cave from the fire, and the only images they saw were these false images or these puppets, these shadows that were cast upon mm -hmm. the, uh, the wall. One of them got loose, um, was trying to get free, tried to go back in the cave. They drug him out of that cave because the cave was so steep. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he finally got out, saw the sun. He was like, wow, there, he was enlightened metaphorically. And, you know, it was blurry at first, but he f he explored the outside world, gained a lot of knowledge, mm. and then he tried to do the right thing. He went back into the cave and tried to tell them about this new enlightenment and the people that were uh, enslaved to that chair and to those false images mm -hmm. um, ended up killing him. And I, you know, there's a lot of unsaid in that story, but for me, it's like, it's a metaphor for what we're going today. We got our young people chained to, to, to mm -hmm. a cave, looking at shadows, looking at things that are not real. Mm -hmm. And someone gets exposed to that, and they want to they do the right thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we have to do it in love. We have to do it in, in patience. We have to do it on their mm -hmm. level. Because we, we forget that you were chained to that chair mm -hmm. yeah. not too long ago. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand, what did you need to get out of that chair? And sometimes it's not just being beat over the head. God loves you. Yeah. God's going to, you know, you're going to go to hell if you if you do that. Uh, oh, you like, you know, a man liking a man, you know, the Bible says you're going to hell for that. God hates, you know, yeah. you know, you know the signs, that the, the destructive things that we do. Uh, when we go back and try to uh, help people out of those situations, we have to give love and love of God, love of our neighbor, love of God so that they can have love of God. And we impart that, God will make a way. He'll create the language. In the this reminds world. me of uh, something that's just happened this week. You were talking about Keys of the Kingdom. Um, actually, one of, uh, one of my African-American brothers who was a student of mine in the past. He's a church planner in Baltimore. He was on a call-in show with us, yes, Charlie Mitchell. Yep. Just uh, earned his MA uh, in leadership. Uh, one of the things that really is important to me in terms of giving up the keys to the kingdom is I am invested in writing all the time, mm -hmm. writing for journals. And so I've actually, uh, Charlie and I are going to write an, a journal article together. Mm -hmm. I want to get his name in a peer-reviewed journal article. And we're going to write on the 20th century civil rights movement and mm -hmm. how it had a theological base, biblical theological base. But my, pur my purpose in doing this with Charlie is very, very specific. And that is, he's a black man, and I am a white professor, and I want him to have the next opportunity to write without my name next to his. Gotcha. So I want to give him the opportunity. People are going to get to know who Charlie is. They're going to seek Charlie out, and I'll just kind of recede into the background. But I think that's what it, what it really takes. And that's what it looks like. And, um, the, and, and the big part is, is that you're doing it as a cheerful giver. Um, I think a lot of times we, as you mentioned, we want to put our chest out because right. we went and did something <laughs> for somebody. And I'm like, yeah. man, if you understood the grace, <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you go create fishermen out of, you know, like Jesus said, follow yeah. me and I'll make you fisher, you know, fishermen of men. Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't exclude the women. Women, if you have to, they're ready to start something all the time. But uh, what it means, though, is that from your heart, from your spirit, the pureness of it, let me exchange this so now you'll be better for this. And, right. and as you become better for this, great. Yeah. And nothing more, nothing less. Great. There's that seed. Plant you, that seed and move on. You tell this story. I tell this story only to give an example of. This is the 
realm in which I operate. Mm-hmm. I yeah. operate as, as an academic. So I'm suggesting to everybody out there, look, whatever realm you're in, whatever sphere of influence you have, go go give that thing away to somebody else that's going to take it from here. But by doing that, you know, you're sharing with them your wisdom, your experience, all of those things we've been talking about all the way through, because now it becomes this macro thing. We're seeing this much larger than ourselves. And my, my sphere is foreign missions. And that's why we're going to Ghana just July. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, with that, if I could say, please, we um, we need more resources. We need about five thousand more dollars to make this a reality. Okay. Um, uh, and you know, I'm trusting God for it. In the last four months, we raised uh, thirty-five thousand dollars. Wow! Uh, you trusted him for that. You, <laughs> you better know you got your last five, baby. Somebody's out right. there listening right now, ready to write a check. So. Um, and our ministry is Five Stones Youth Ministry. And um, it's just confirmation for me when you try to do things that's biblically based, mm-hmm. that, that God is with you, mm-hmm. how much opposition you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you got, you know, 153 people giving you $35,000 uh, to send some young people and some ministers to, to Ghana, West Africa, mm-hmm. to spread the word of God, to be empowered so we can use that in our sphere of influence while we're here. Uh, but then you have this other faction that says this is not something we should be doing. This is um, we should be focused on you know the day to day of the church, uh, little C. Mm. But the day to day of the church is God's people. Mm-hmm. He has seven billion people that we yeah. need to go out there and reach, right. and we need to start empowering people when we're only doing church. Mm-hmm. When we're only doing anniversary dinners and, and breakfasts, that Pastors, only uh, anniversary, <laughs> you know, asking poor people to pay. Uh, for your lifestyle, when we, when we, you know, when we, when we, when we do that, you know, we wouldn't go to Cambodia and ask some little poor child begging, say, "Hey, you know, everything you beg for today, give me ten percent of that." <laughs> That's a ridiculous concept. It's right. just as ridiculous here in America. But yep. we have been so influenced by the culture to say that these things we should be afraid of. Don't go to Africa. What? What about terrorism? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean like the Constitution, Article One, Section Two, when it says that I'm three fifths a man? Yeah. If that's not terrorism, you know, but we got to fight against terrorism, just like we fight against, um, you know, our our terrorist mentality that has been given to us in this yeah. world. You know, I, I, <laughs> well, you almost got me going. Now, let me shut up. <laughs> let me shut up. You know, this is not politics, and this is not my thinking on what I feel about terrorists. But in any any case, Derek, uh, you may mention about uh, your your mission, and, and, mm-hmm. and when when we talk, you can hear the passion that has been embedded in you to to do this mission. Um, we were talking off air earlier about, you know, the, the real church is probably going to have to be imported. Correct. Uh, by by spirit led people who don't have this 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 big grand castle church mentality, as I like to call mm-hmm. it. Just the pure love of helping one another um, is what we need in good Christians today. Um, this is not going to breed well with the established church. Right. Uh, <laughs> tell me where you see this. It's not going to breed well at all because, again, the national narrative is xenophobia, you know, word meaning fearful, fear of foreigners. Uh, but Jesus is clear. Go out there and take, take, your, these, take these foreigners and take your make nothing. them disciples. <laughs> <laughs> take nothing and right. go spread this word. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's, you know, national narrative, of course. I'm, I'm, a man was just elected on November 4th uh, spreading xenophobic ideas. To say that we, you know, Mexicans are bad or, 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 you know, 
let's do a travel ban on certain people from of a, of a certain race or a certain um, uh, religion. And I think that that trickles down because some of the overwhelming uh, people that voted for him are evangelical Christians. Mm. People evangelical, the word itself says, go out there and make <laughs> disciples of everybody. Mm. But they're the ones that are most fearful of everybody. Mm. And it's sad and it's sickening because that's what the that's what gets the news. Those are the people that think those are Christians. I don't want no parts of mm. it. That's what our young people are saying. That's why 80 to 90 percent of them leave the church when they graduate high school. They mm. go on to college. There's too many competing forces that seemingly are, are, are better fit because they don't they don't uh, necessarily hate. They don't necessarily badger people. They don't necessarily contradict what your word is saying out there. So it's not going to bode well. And when you say an imported, so that's, you know, what that looks like is somebody from China, somebody from Africa, somebody from Europe coming to America to evangelize. Yeah. Coming to America to uh, plant churches, coming to America to be missionaries. And, you know, what they're going to have a different accent. They're going to have a different way of, of life. And, and we're and not going to like it. This is interesting. I was watching Oprah's uh, Super Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and I forget the young man. He's an American uh, but he went to Australia, and there's a, what, Church of Hope or something down there. And he brought that church back, too, after having this experience <laughs> in Australia of being a Christian. He said it was so powerful and so different than what he had learned in America about being a real Christian, mm. or what it was like to be Christian, mm. that he brought their church principles to New York City. And now he has one of the biggest youth churches in the country because the way he is presenting Christianity, the young people that he was talking to, this is the first time it's been like no hocus pocus and all this, this you know, smoke and dragons around Christianity. They, they were hearing somebody talk about just the right way to live mm -hmm. and not making it so spooky, I guess, is I, bad choice of words, but that's how they were saying. It was making them feel like mm. I finally get this this God and this Christ and this Jesus thing yeah. uh, in a way that I've never received it before. And that's pretty much what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's sad that we've been so indoctrinated in our culture, American culture, that it's, it, it has interfered so severely in our theology and our, our, our Christian walk. Um, you know, just think about it. Whoever's listening, you go to church on second Sunday. They raise, um, they do communion in the Baptist church. First gonna, Sunday, something. You, you're gonna be like, whoa! No, I'm saying if they change it from okay, first yeah, Sunday, they, change, they just yeah, say, we got we're gonna do it on, on second Sunday from now on. What? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> ever going to church. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. And you know, just that's we we've created these deities out of our churches, mm -hmm. and that's not the way it was intended mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. Churches weren't even supposed to be big. You know, New Testament churches weren't supposed to even be large. Mm. They were supposed to, you know, they get a certain size, go out there and <laughs> plant another, another one, mm. plant another one, mm -hmm. go out there and do another one. So it can be these smaller sort of, right. so you can understand the need. There's some churches out here, and again, it's not all churches. I don't want to paint the uh, blanket picture, but there are some churches out here that the pastor doesn't have any clue who's in his congregation. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't pay enough, he will not do your funeral. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> if you're not if you're not high enough up on the totem pole in, in the tithing deal or your recognition as a man mm. in society, yeah, you putting your head down, but this is the honest <laughs> guy's truth. Mm. At least in our neighborhood, mm. the pastor will not do 
the service of certain people. Mm. He, he, yeah, you let it be a big, well-known businessman or politician or somebody. Yeah, he's he there up. showing off. Right. But mm-hmm. let uh, Reverend Jones's auntie, who's been going to the church 40, 50 years, and nobody really knows who it, she is because she's been just working with the youth down in the in the little Sunday school or something. She might not have the preacher do her sermon. Yeah, uh, And it's sad. Unfortunately, the black church has spawned from ignorance the way we culturally do it um you know the most literate person in the black community was the preacher the preacher so what he's what he said the bible said is what people believe because Mm -hmm. they couldn't read uh so it's sort of organically grown from this you know looking at the pastor for all our spiritual answers but again we have the most powerful generation they're reading we have access to social media where uh or uh news where you can see the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm. right at your fingertips. Mm. So it's hard to lie to young people these days. Oh, sure. And you got these cultural people that have been there 30, 40 years still depending on their deity that mm. they've raised in the pulpit mm. and saying, teach me what, what I can't learn for myself. One of the things that we're all going to struggle with, and, and yes, this is a great and powerful generation, uh, but they struggle with their own idols just as much as we do. Absolutely. And that's really a, a crucial uh, concern for, for all of us. Uh, you know, we could talk about this ethnically. I don't think this is an ethnic issue. This is a biblical issue. We could talk about this economically. Uh, no, this is a biblical issue. Uh, we could talk about this politically. No, this is a biblical issue. And so we can all arrange our own totems and our own idols and we can all say, well, this person ought not to be there, or I can disrespect this individual, but I expect respect for me or my institution. And so we all have to be very wary of how we uh, treat or talk about or deal with anybody, no matter who that person is. I wrote this on social media last week. I said, uh, if you are want to uh, disrespect authorities, then don't be surprised when people disrespect your authority. <laughs> and I think that's really an important idea for all of us to, to maintain in, in all of this. Uh, one, we've just got a couple of uh, minutes left, Derek. Just give us uh, what is the, the thing that you want to leave with folks here today. Thanks again so much for being with us. It's been my pleasure here. Um, I think I want to leave with you is just, number one, discover Jesus for yourself. Mm. Understand what who he is and, you know, celebrate who he is. Uh, follow who he is mm. and then figure out what he has for you to do mm-hmm. the three commandments love God love your neighbor like you love yourself and spread his word mm. throughout the globe mm. so however you want to do that so sometimes that is sitting at social media and having an international following yes it is sometimes that is going out there and being the hands and feet of Christ mm-hmm. washing feet in Ghana West Africa or Uganda or that's right Cambodia or 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 Mexico mm-hmm uh, so I want to leave with you this don't be fearful of the faith that Jesus proclaims mm. in mm. your heart there you go and understand that the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ mm. so when you do something do it for Jesus Christ mm. Mm. Uh, when you go somewhere do it for Jesus Christ and carry mm. the church in your heart everywhere you go mm. therefore every day is a mission opportunity give us uh, another 15 second blast on five stones and what you're doing this summer um, five Stones Youth Ministry is uh, guided by five principles. That is uh, conviction. We want to convict them of the Word of God. Mm. Uh, it's change, so they can be changed by the Word of God. We want them to stay committed to the Word of God. Mm. We want them to stay connected to other believers so that they can um, feel comfortable 
and learn to learn more about the Word of God, and then go out there and help the community. Mm. And that's a global community. Mm. So uh, July, we're going on this tri uh, trip. Mm. You can find us at FiveStonesYouthMinistry.org. That's the number five, Youth Ministry StonesYouthMinistry.org. Um, you can find all information about it, even how to support our endeavors. And if you want us to help you with the, uh, you want to outsource that mission component, uh, we can help you do that. And we can be, we're a uh, Christian-based, Bible-believing, Jesus-centered um, organization. And you want to outsource your, your missions component of your church, mm. come see us. Okay. I want to say this before we close, man, and this has been a great topic. But, and I don't want the listeners to think that we just bash our African-American churches, but the only um center point that i have to come from is being an african-american growing up in mm -hmm. african-american churches but sure. it's kind of opened up a thought um for some dialogue because there has to be fractures that the white church is going through there have to be fractures that the you know yep. chinese christian church is going through and i would love to get the different uh people who belong to those denominations in one day mm. to talk about just what their fraction mm. is inside their church walls because mm. we know what it is uh, Derek and I do in African American <laughs> church we right. know but there has to be some division mm. and some uh, separate ideas on how the church should work mm. in other communities yeah. I think that would be a good conversation for us to have so we'll all understand hey man you're not in this alone yeah exactly you're not the only demographic with problems in our no, exactly. walks so. yeah. that's why we make such a big deal out of this is not a political this is not an economic this is not an ethnic issue uh, we are in this together as uh, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, once again, uh, uh, Derek Slack has been here uh, having conversation about macro mission, and you'll want to make sure to follow him on social media and make sure to check out uh, the Ghana mission trip and what you can do to help support that particular ministry. You've been listening to Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. You hear Warp and Woof Radio every Wednesday. And next Wednesday, you will not want to miss, we got Pastor Clarence Moore coming in with a number of really great folks from his congregation to discuss some very important neighborhood topics. And one of those topics that we're going to be discussing is the connection that uh, New Era Church is making uh, with uh, white churches on the west side of town. This is going to be a dynamic and important discussion. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Great show as always, my brother, and I will see you again uh, tonight. That's see right, us. tonight. Absolutely. Jazzing it up. And uh, stay tuned. Ten Point Coalition is coming out with the Community Voice. You've been listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv.